We are, believe it or not, in a new month. We just got past uh, our, our February series, United. And I tell you what, I really believe that it was a timely sermon series. The messages that came across, they really spoke to us. They helped us as a church. To, they helped us as individuals. That, they gave us the understanding that if we're going to do anything for God, we're going to do it together. We are united in Christ, and we need one another. And I really believe that this month's uh, sermon series is going to continue to build our faith. In fact, it's called Heroes of Faith. And this month, we're going to be studying the lives of five specific individuals that uh, at a defining moment in their life, uh, their faith, uh, their faith was able to get them past where they were at, and, and their faith made an impact, uh, not only in their lives, uh, but their faith made an impact in the lives around them, and their faith uh, made an impact for generations. For generations, uh, their faith uh, has been an example to you and I. We each are, have defining moments in our life uh, when it comes to faith. Every single one of us here that is born again, uh, that is Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we had a defining moment of faith when we heard the gospel of Jesus, uh, when we heard that we, our sins could be forgiven, when we heard that Jesus uh, can forgive us of our sins and give us salvation, eternal life, and it was at that moment uh, where our faith, we, we moved by faith and we believed that word, we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've never been the same since. Was uh, looking at the Bible app. Was looking for a devotional on faith, and some titles that were coming up were things like limitless faith, audacious faith, unshakable faith, mountain moving faith. I said, "Man, these are some powerful titles." But be quite honest, sometimes I just need faith to get me through the day. Sometimes I just need that faith to get me through whatever it is I'm going through at that moment. The Bible says that by faith we please God. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus uh, in Matthew 17, 20, put, your, put your, 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 your bookmark there. I was thinking about uh, when I was looking through those devotionals, sometimes if, when we read devotional titles like that and when we hear people talk of faith, sometimes it can be discouraging. I don't know about you, but maybe for me, because you feel like, man, unless I'm conquering some giant or defeating, you know, uh, uh, overcoming some mountain or accomplishing some great exploit, then man, maybe my faith isn't as powerful as I, as I would want it to be. And Jesus, he says in, in Matthew 17, 20, he says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. He says, nothing will be impossible for you. Uh, mustard tree, the mustard tree it comes from the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed. But it can grow up to be over 20 feet high. And mustard trees can grow in very harsh, dry, uh, barren conditions. It can 
grow in uh, poor or sandy soil. And Jesus was saying that uh, sometimes just all you need is that mustard seed of faith. Maybe your faith uh, tonight isn't limitless. Maybe your faith tonight isn't audacious or unshakable or mountain moving. But the Bible says if you have the faith of a mustard seed, then it can grow. Your faith can grow. Our faith can grow tonight. And the Bible says that it can grow in some of the most harshest of situations, the most driest of climates. And no matter what your circumstance or situation you might find yourself in tonight, uh, your faith can grow in the middle of that circumstance and situation. Abraham, he was a man of faith. He's known as the father of many nations, uh, a father of faith. Uh, he was called the friend of God. But at one point in Abraham's life, he too started out with that small mustard seed of faith. Uh, I've entitled this message this evening, Abraham, Don't Jump the Gun. Don't Jump the Gun. Book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8 through uh, 10. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was uh, called to go out to the place uh, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise. Verse 10, it says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And I think in, in this regard, we can relate to Abraham because we're waiting for a city whose maker and builder is God. Uh, you know, I, 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 I want to just uh, encourage you tonight we turn on the news, we see what's going on, we see uncertainty, we see uh, just things happening, and it can leave us uneasy, and it can leave us unsettled. We have to remember that uh, this is in our home. While we're here, we're to be witnesses, we're to be testimonies, ambassadors of Jesus Christ, uh, but ultimately this earth will pass away, and we get to be in eternity, in eternity with our almighty God, almighty King, our Creator. Jesus said, when you're hearing of these wars and rumors of wars, he said this. He said, see that you are not troubled. So tonight we take rest and comfort to, in the word of God. We take rest and comfort in that God is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise that we have tonight as, as children of God, as born-again Christians. Abraham, he was from an area uh, in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, known as Ur, or Ur of the Chaldeans, or land of the Chaldeans. It was a fertile land. It was a land that thrived in agriculture and commerce, and it was uh, a prosperous land by all accounts, and it was safe to say that Abraham was well off, or at least had that potential to be well off. And it was here at this point that Abraham, he has a life-changing life encounter with God. He meets the Most High God. And I tell you what, when you have an encounter with God, your life is changed. When, when God comes down and he speaks to you and he ministers to you and he gets a hold of your heart, man, there's things that begin to change in your life. And, and Abraham, he has this encounter with God. God sets him out on a journey and sets him out on a journey of faith. But it all started with Abraham with a call and with a promise. The call and the promise of God. 
God had given Abraham a call. He'd given him a promise. And at this time, Abraham, he was married with his wife, Sarah. The Bible says that in marriage that the two shall be one. And here God has given Abraham a call, and he's given Abraham a promise. He's, he's saying that he was going to bless his seed and that he was going to multiply him and make him a father of many nations. But it also involved his wife, Sarah, because Abraham wasn't going to be able to do this by himself. The call of God that came upon Abraham was also coming upon his wife. And, and wives, if I could just share with you tonight that uh, don't undervalue or don't underestimate your key and your impact and your influence in the success of your husband's uh, walk with God. The husbands, don't dismiss what your wife has to say when she is being prompted by the Holy Spirit, when she's discerning, when she's saying, uh, let's pray on this, let's wait on this, or maybe, you know what, uh, be careful. God's given our wives to us. As a helper, as a helpmate, it's a blessing. Got on, husbands. You knew when to clap on that one. Man. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Abram was uh, Ab Abraham's name prior to the changing of his name. He says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What an awesome statement that God is saying to, to Abraham. He's saying, from you, people are going to be blessed. That when God raises us up, when God does a work in an individual's life and, and raises him or her up, it's not just so that they can be blessed, but that others can be blessed around them, so that others could be uh, uh, benefited from what God has done in, in their life. I look at, around and I see different testimonies. Some I know, some I don't know. But you know what's a blessing is I see what God has, has done in individuals' lives. How God has brought individuals in and maybe might have been bound by drugs or alcohol or maybe might have been involved in gang violence or maybe not even believed in God and have that, uh, that experience with God and they come in and God begins to raise them up and bless them. And as a result, kids are blessed. We're blessed. Right? Our Royal Rangers are blessed by the commanders. Our impact missionette uh, uh, Girls, they're blessed because of the ladies that are taking their time in there. We were, worship, we were worshiping tonight, and we were blessed as a result of, of, a, of individuals who have surrendered their lives, uh, and they lead us in worship. And I think that um, it's an awesome thing that when we see God raising up an individual and what uh, that person can, can accomplish for God and how each and every one of us, we get to share in that. See, God was telling Abraham, leave your old life behind. Leave it all. Leave your family. Leave your friends. Leave their land. Leave your father's house. Uh, leave it all behind. And if you leave it all behind, you're going to see how I'm going to bless you. You're going to see how I'm going to prosper you. God tells us the same thing, to leave our old lives behind. 
to our old sin that we might have been involved with, to leave it behind. The way he told Abraham, he says, get away from the paganism and the idolatry and come and follow me. God's saying the same thing within our lives. Leave it behind. Leave the empty promises of the world behind. What do they have to offer? Begin to seek and walk with God. So we got to hold on to the promises that he gives us. Promises that are found in his word, we got to hold on to those promises, but we also got to hold on to the promises that he's given us as individuals. When we've been alone in our secret place, our prayer closet, when we've been just before God and asking God, God, would you do this? And those promises that he's impressed upon each and every one of us, we got to hold on to those promises as well. Maybe it's a promise to have your marriage restored. You, you've been praying, God, I want a miracle done in my marriage. And God's promised that he's going to do it. Uh, so what is your responsibility? To begin to love your spouse. Begin to honor them and esteem them. Begin to put them first. Second to God. Maybe God has given you a promise of, of your child coming back to the things of God. We pray for prodigals here. We pray for prodigals here. Maybe God says, I'm going to do a work in your, in your son or in your daughter's life, and, and your responsibility is to be like the father, preparing, so that when God brings them in and, and God restores them, you're there waiting for them. Not with, uh, so did you learn your lesson? Not so tough out there, are you? It's not what God did. It's not what the father in the story did. He embraced him. He said, it's, I'm going to celebrate. My, my child was dead and now is alive. Amen. Maybe God has given you the promise of a peaceful life. And tonight, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, and it, it, it seems like peace is always eluding you. It seems like peace is never within, it's maybe within your grasp, but always out of reach. That makes sense. And I want to let you know that it's because of Jesus that you can have peace tonight. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. And it's he is the one that is able to bring and usher in that peace uh, that surpasses all understanding. Whatever the promise is, uh, we need to hold on to that promise. It could be years or it could be just around the corner. We don't know, but we need to hold on and be steadfast and not let go of what God has, has spoken to us and given to us. God told Abraham he was going to make him a great nation. He told Abraham he was going to make his name great. Uh, the blessings would be upon those that blessed Abraham and cursings upon those that cursed Abraham. And that because of Abraham, others were going to be blessed uh, because of him. Those are awesome promises. God has given each and every one of us some awesome promises. But I think sometimes too often we want to inherit the reward we want to inherit the promise the blessings before we are obedient to the call that God has given us the call to be faithful the call to be obedient the call to live a life of faith and, and it's not that we earn God's gifts and it's not that we earn God's merit or grace we can't earn it God gives us uh, his blessings and his promises uh, because he loves us because we're his children because uh, he sent his son Jesus to die for us uh, 
But I tell you, it moves and it stirs God when, before we've even received the promise, before we've even received the reward or the inheritance, uh, we're already acting in faith. We're already moving in faith. We're already doing, being obedient to what God has uh, spoken or called us to do. You ever have one of your kids uh, do something without you even asking? Maybe take out the trash or mow the lawn or wash the cart, right? It's like, Wow. Now, God is moving, right? Husbands, we just had a, a marriage uh, uh, um, seminar. Hang the curtains. Hang them. And, and you'll see, man, just the reaction that you get to, out of your spouse or the reaction you have when one of your, your children just does something without you even having to ask them twice, three times, four times, Right? It's like, man, you take notice, there's that, man, you're blessed because of that. God is, is saying that when you diligently seek him, when you are acting in faith, uh, he rewards that. That pleases him. He gets involved uh, in what your life is and in your circumstance. Book of Romans, chapter 4, 1 through 5. See, it's not our good deeds or our works that makes us right with God. It's, it's our faith in him. It's our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he did on the cross. And in Romans, it says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way, for the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we've all missed, missed that mark. I, what Pastor Sergio says, uh, we're all sinners. There's some of us that are saved sinners and some of us that are unsaved sinners. Right? And Abraham himself was not perfect. He had his faults. He had his missteps. Made some decisions that were anything but faith-filled. Uh, Abraham, he went through some seasons uh, when his faith was tested. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Your faith will be tested as well. Each and every one of us in here will go through seasons when our faith is tested. There's a, a, a sister in this church. Uh, she's a pillar in this church. Uh, she's been a blessing to myself and my wife for years. We were talking to her, and she said that when she prays, she prays that, Lord, in times of testing, I pray my faith fail me not. And when she said that to me, I said, if she's praying that, if she's praying that, because this is probably one of the most godly women I know, I better be praying that. That in times of testing, Lord, I pray that my faith fail me not. What an awesome prayer. And, and sometimes we think that, that it's in regards to maybe some great temptation or persecution or some kind of assault. And it could be, but it could also be for the day-to-day. -day. The day-to-day, -day, the, the, the things that happen at work or at home or on the road, on the way to church, that our faith would be tested. It could be tested when someone offends you, and how do you respond to that offense? It could be 
For some, it might have been tonight. You were test, your faith was tested. A long day at work and traffic and just everything going on, and it was probably much easier to just stay home and, and, and watch online, and I'm not knocking it. Praise God for those that are watching online, but some of you got past that, and you're here in the house of God. You get to experience the worship, and you get to experience the, the fellowship, seeing each other. Haven't seen you since Sunday. You look awesome. Man. For some, testing of your faith comes at the end of the service when the offering is picked up. Because God has been speaking to you, and God has been dealing with you, and God's been saying, you need to trust me in the area of your finances. You need to trust me that I am Jaira, your provider. See, we're tested when we know that God has given us a promise. We're tested when we know God has spoken to us. We know that God is faithful to his word and, we're, and, and, and what he has spoken to us. We know that God is, is, is going to do it. But the problem is, is we feel barren like Sarah. The problem is we don't see anything happening. We don't see anything taking place. And we're saying, Lord, you've promised me this, and I don't see nothing taking place. In fact, things are going the opposite of, of what I've been praying for. And your faith is tempted. Do you, do you hold on to what God has given you, or do you, do you jump the gun? Do you get ahead of God? Do you get outside of the will of God? Do you say, you know what, it's not going to happen. I'm giving up on it. This is where we got to hold on and know that we know that we know what God has spoken to us. It's where it's so important that we stay focused on God and that we uh, stay connected to the vine. We stay connected to the word of God and that we also stay connected amongst like-minded believers. That we stay connected with one another because we build one another. We encourage one another. We strengthen each other's faith. There's certain people that once I get around them, man, just to hear them talk about God and hear them talk about what God is doing or hear them talk about things like faith and whatever, I just leave excited. And I leave like, I go back home, I'm thinking, I got to pray, man, because <laughs> they are full of the Holy Spirit and they're believing God for the impossible. I want that. It rubs off on me. That's why we need one another as believers. Amen. Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. There's a Christian blogger who said, so walking by faith and not by sight means that we live today according to God's promises, even though we cannot see them, and not according to the temporary, arbitrary things that our eyes often focus on on earth. Things can be distracting. This world can be distracting. The cares and the responsibilities that we have can be distracting. And we got to remember to we align ourselves. We focus on Jesus. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. See, God had told Abraham to leave his country. And that he would lead him to a land where he would show him. And what that says there is that God already had a plan. God already had a plan and a purpose and a destiny for Abraham. Even though Abraham might not have fully seen it or might have not fully comprehended it or 
might not know when it was going to come to pass, God had something prepared for Abraham. God has something prepared for each and every one of us. But it's often us that, needs to, that need to be prepared. See, it's in that journey, it's in that process that God is molding us and shaping us and, and directing us and guiding us and doing that work in our lives so that when we are at a place where we can inherit the blessing, it will be a blessing. It will be a blessing. Because we don't want a blessing to turn into a cursing. Maybe you're praying for a job and you're saying, God, it would be a blessing if you give me a job. And God says, I have a job for you, but be faithful in the little and I'll be put, put you faithful in the much. Maybe he's saying, uh, I have a job for you and a job that's going to be a blessing to you and it's not going to take you out of the will of God. It's not going to take you out of church. It's not going to take you out of the things of God. That is a blessing right there. Don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun. Don't get out of God's will. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, he says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. And as he was appro- approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him so that we can have her. So please, tell them you're my sister. And then they will spare my life and treat me well, because of their interest in you. And when I read that, I did like that um, emoji where the guy has his hand in his face. Like Abraham, that face palm, right? Like Abraham, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What is it that you're doing? See, he was moving in a direction that God wasn't leading him in. And, and, and it was... Him moving in the direction of Egypt because there was a famine in the land. We ask ourselves, what happens when we go through those times of famine? Because you will go through times of drought. You will go through seasons of wilderness. You will go through seasons of of scarcity. And it's in those times uh, that we, what do we do? Do we begin to abandon ship? Do we jump the gun? Do we get out of God's will? Do we begin to take things into our own hands? Or do we... Even more, God, I'm trusting in you, God. And even though this road is getting hard, God, I believe you're going to make it straight, God. Can't pull back. We can't stop giving. We can't stop serving because things are getting hard. And Egypt is where Abraham went. And Egypt, for us, represents the world. It represents the former life. It represents uh, all that God has brought us out of. And, and when we go through those hard times and when we go through those drought times, the last thing that we should be doing is going back to the world. We left the world. God rescued us from the world. We need to draw closer to God in those times. Persevering. What Abraham did, it was deceitful, it was unnecessary, and it was faithless. It was disrespectful to his wife, and it was unfair to the Pharaoh. If you read the story, um, it was exposed what Abraham had did. And so we had to remember, church, that the decisions we make, especially as, and I'm going to say fathers, okay, the decisions we make, they really have huge impacts in our family's lives and in, the, in those around us. 
See, when the devil tempts or when the devil tests your faith, he, he tests your faith with the expectation that you'll fall. He tested Peter when he denied his relationship with Jesus. When we are not feeding our spirit, when we're not reading, when we're not praying, when we're not uh, communing with God, our, our flesh will test our faith. I would say it's the lust of the eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life that the flesh wants to just satisfy its, its carnal nature. But God will also test our faith, not to get us to fall or not to get us to sin or to, or to mess up, but God will test our faith to show us how strong we can be in him. God will test our faith to show us that uh, he is there and, and that um, in him we're strengthened. There's a thing called, uh, in, in engineering, it's called the tensile test. And the tensile test, basically what it is, it's, it's forced tension that's applied to a subject to the point where it uh, hits its breaking point or its limit. You want to see how strong something is. And, and God already knows what our breaking point is. God already knows what our limit is. And God wants to say, listen, uh, in me, you can go beyond that point. In me, you can go further than that point. In me, I can show you just what exactly you are capable of. It's testing the strength of our faith. I built this, um, like, clubhouse for my, grand, my grandsons, right? And I built it on maybe, like, a three-, four-foot uh, raised deck. And as I was building it, my, my younger brother came over and uh, he's a lot bigger and a lot heavier than I am. And he, and he jumped on that deck and he began to bounce. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, I'm testing to see how strong it is. I said, well, if, it, if it'll hold a 200-pound man, I'm sure it's going to hold a five-year-old child, right? But that's what he was doing is he was testing to see the, the sturdiness, the durability of, of that deck that I had built. Someone said that you don't know what you're capable of until you're pushed. We can push ourselves to the limit, and we can reach that limit. When God pushes you, and he pushes you beyond that limit, it's no longer on your own strength or on your own understanding or on your own ability. You are now operating under the supernatural anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen, man, how, how when, when, when people have just been at their breaking point. But man, all of a sudden they're moving in, the, in that realm of faith and you could just see it's like God is just all over them, man. All over them. Whether they were sick in body or, or, or physically broken. And you could see that the recovery that takes place in their life, not in, in and of their own strength, but because their faith is in God, their trust is in God, and it's God who's bringing them out and past it. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Again, don't jump the gun. Don't get ahead of God. See, that term, jump the gun, it comes from track and field. In track and field, when there is a race, uh, the uh, announcer will call runners up to their marks, right, which is their starting line. 
And then he'll say, get, get set. And it's at that point where the runners, whether they're in blocks or whether they're at their starting line, they're, they're set and they're ready to go. But the runner cannot run until the starting pistol is fired. If a runner jumps uh, ahead of that starting pistol, it's a false start. And that's where the term jumping the gun comes from. They jumped the gun. They began to run before they were given that, uh, that permission to run. And in Olympics, in, in, in most races, and in, like in the Olympics, uh, if you have a false start, if you jump the gun, that's it. You're done. You're now going to be a spectator. You're disqualified, instant disqualification. You're going to watch that race from the sidelines. And thank God we serve a God that is gracious. And thank God that we serve a God that is a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth chances for some of us. But how much grief and struggle could we be spared if we just wait on God? If we just move when God says move, if we just say, in your timing, God, this will come to pass. And until that comes to pass, I'm content to be faithful where I'm at, God. How much uh, could we be spared if we just would just learn to just hold on and wait on God there? You got to wait on God. So I wind this down. Abraham, he was... 75 years old when he was given that call and that promise. 25 years he had been walking with God and holding on to that promise and the promise that he had was given to him and his wife Sarah, and yet they saw nothing. They were still barren. They hadn't seen the promise come to pass. Their faith was being tested. And they jumped the gun. They jumped the gun. Sarah came up with the great idea for Abraham to have uh, relations with her servant Hagar. And Abraham went, and as a result of, of that union, Ishmael was born. They got ahead of God. They jumped the gun, and, and that pregnancy and the birth of that child, it, it caused a lot of strife and division within Abraham's camp. Sarah, she mistreated her servant Hagar. Hagar, she despised Sarah, and... and, and, and Abraham's ability to lead as a father and as a husband was, was seriously hindered. And someone who gets overlooked is ultimately Ishmael. He suffered as a child. Children know when, when they're not wanted, right? Children can sense that. And, and here's this individual that, uh, uh, through no fault of his own, he, he had to go through some struggles. Even though... Ishmael was conceived out of God's will, and even though the promise was to come through Isaac, God still had a plan and a purpose for Ishmael. See, I believe that there are no accidents when it comes to God. And, and, and maybe you might have been told that, you know what, you were an accident, you weren't planned. Well, maybe your parents didn't plan you, but God knew. God knew you before you were even in that womb, and he had a purpose, and he had a plan, and he had a destiny for each and every one of us here tonight. The angel of the Lord, he told Hagar, he said that he would increase Ishmael's descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. That's the merciful God that we serve. See, waiting on God, it means just that. You wait on God. 
even if you feel others are being blessed ahead of you, and even if you see others' uh, prayers being answered and yours still hasn't been answered, you are diligently seeking and serving God as you wait for your turn, as you wait for God to bless you and your circumstance. In God's timing, in God's timing. If I can have our worship team come up this evening. Genesis chapter 17, verses 19 through 22. It says, Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. He's talking to Abraham. And I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. He says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. I think for some of us, God tonight is saying, just wait, just wait. And he's not putting a time stamp. He's not putting a date on it. He's just saying, wait. For some of you tonight, he might be saying, by this time next year, you're going to see what you've been praying for. You're going to be seeing what you've been fasting for. You're going to be seeing what you've been leaving for come to pass. That's whatever God is speaking to you. But you got to hold on to that. God isn't done with us, church. God is not done with us here. The devil is a liar. I declare that right now. I think for some here in this church, have been allowing the devil to lie. For some, he's been saying, you're too young. You have no life experience. You haven't even lived yet. What do you have to offer? And for some, he might be saying, you're too old. Your time has passed. It's come and gone. You missed it. Technology is far beyond you. What do you have to offer? The devil's a liar. He's been saying those same lies throughout the scriptures for years. But let me tell you what you have to offer. Your testimony. Your faith in God. Your witness. Your ability to share Jesus. You have to offer so much. Uh, each and every one of us here. Timothy and Titus were told they were too young. Moses and Caleb and Abraham, they were told they were too old. And yet we see what powerful impacts they made in, in not just their lives, in the lives around them, but even to us to this day. Because we each and every one of us here do have something to offer. Each and every one of us here, we're not in heaven yet. We're not home yet. And as long as there's breath in our lungs, there's the ability to share and witness Jesus Christ. And even if you can't speak your life, it says volumes about the God that you serve. As I was preparing, God was just impressing something on me. I believe that he is not done. And that there are great things that he wants us as a church, as a body to do. He's not done with his people. And there might be people here that feel that their time has passed or they might have missed their call or their promise. God's a redeemer. 
Bible says that the Lord is the one who determines our steps. He determines our destiny. That we're to be faithful to God when he says move and faithful to God when he says be still. We can't limit our God by the mistakes that we might have made or our age. God's not limited by our limitations. We just got to be willing and obedient to step out in faith and to say, God, here I am. You can use me, God. What is it that you require? What is it that, that you need me to do? And that's what it is. It's just making yourself available and accessible and open to God. I'm here today because there was individuals in this church that made themselves available and accessible to me, that took the time to teach me how to study or outreach or serve God. And I really believe with everything going on in this world today, God needs a faithful church. He needs a faithful body. He needs people that aren't going to say, well, I'm too old or I'm too young. God can't use me. But people that will say, here I am, God. What do you want me to do? You want me to usher? I'll usher. You want me to work with kids? I'll work with kids. You want me to get involved in ministry? I'll get involved, God. You want me to speak to someone on the bus? I can do that. We're going to see revival. We're going to see revival, church. God told Abraham this in, in, 17, in Genesis 17, uh, verse 1. He says, I am almighty God, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. That's what all God wants us as his children is to walk before him, to be blameless, to be trusting in him, to be faith-filled, believing God, that what he said he'll do in our lives, we're going to believe it. And that what he said he'll do in the lives of our friends and families, we're going to hold on to it. And man, if we could have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight in reverence to God.